0: Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast coming to you on a Wednesday night. A lot to unpack on this podcast. As always, we're going to have our picks for the upcoming week for you for week five. We're going to recap our picks from week four, which went ten and six. We promise you a ten and six or eleven and five type week. Uh, we were close to that eleven and five, ten and four. Uh, entering the primetime games, unfortunately lost. Both of those did not see the Patriots coming out with the performance that they had against Tom Brady, but we got that one wrong, and we also got Monday Night Football wrong. So we're going to get into all of our picks from last week, and I'm also picking five teams from each conference that I think can win this year's Super Bowl. I picked five contenders from each conference. Spoiler alert, there is one division that is not represented in that list uh, a team from which cost me a teaser against the Jets. So, um, yeah that's a little bit of a dead giveaway there. So we're going to start by breaking into our picks from last week, and we're going to start with where I got it wrong. You, unfortunately, cannot win them all, and I did get a couple of games wrong last week, starting with the Titans, minus 7.5 one of only two of the early games that I missed, I was close to going nine and zero to start the week. However, the Titans could not take care of business, giving seven and a half points. If honestly, if I had given this pick out after I found out that Julio Jones was also going to miss the game along with AJ Brown, I might have leaned towards the Jets. This line actually got down below seven points before kickoff, but they lost that game. The Titans' defense looks pretty bad, giving up 27 points to a Jets team, which could not get it going against anybody in the previous three weeks. We also got it wrong with the Lions plus three. I really thought that Justin Fields would struggle. He, however, had a fantastic game. You could argue it was the best game that a rookie quarterback has played So far this year, all the rookie quarterbacks struggling up till this week. Actually, all the ones that played had pretty good weeks in week four, Justin Fields, uh, the only one getting a win. So you have to say that he was, excuse me, one of two getting wins. Zach Wilson also did get a win uh, in the previous game we just talked about. But he's, uh, Justin Fields still played the best out of the rookies this year, I believe. We also got it wrong with the Rams, minus four and a half. Really a trap game for them there, coming off that huge win against the Buccaneers. In fact, look out for all of this with these NFC West teams. Anytime one of them is coming off of a huge win in prior week, particularly against each other, we're going to break into that when we talk about the Week 5 matchups. But look out for these teams coming off of big wins because every team in this division is good and can, has the capability of beating each other, whether or not they're on the road or an underdog, so look out for matchups in the NFC West this year. We also got it wrong with the Steelers, plus seven. Started out really well. Deontay Johnson taking a, long, a long, in a long touchdown from Ben Roethlisberger, up 7 nothing. So we're up 14 nothing for the purpose of our bet. It looks great. However, the Steelers offense sputtered from there, and they come out with a loss. Again, I've said it over and over again. It really looks like Ben Roethlisberger is done at this point. We also got it wrong with the Bucks minus seven. Really thought Tom Brady was going to come in and stick it to his old team. Bill Belichick was game, though. However, at the end of that game, it was a really questionable decision to send out the field goal unit in the rain, a 56-yard field goal. Mac Jones, at that point, had completed a number of passes in a row. You have to think you have to go for it there, especially when you're Bill Belichick on that other sideline. You know, even if you make that field goal, you're giving Tom Brady a little under a minute to move the ball down the field. You've seen it happen for you time and time again. You, above anybody, should know that you cannot leave him that time on top of the fact that you're definitely not guaranteed to make that field goal 56 yards in the rain so really questionable decision by arguably the greatest coach of all time Have a little bit of a head scratcher there Patriots really had a chance to win that game outright and we also got Monday night football wrong we gave out the Raiders plus three and a half that line moved to three by kickoff and then started moving back towards the Raiders you got plus three at even money As it got closer to kickoff, the Chargers really showing that they are one of the contenders to be dealt with this year in the NFL. And that does it for where I got it wrong. Let's move on to happier things where I got it right. That's right, ten winners to go over this week. Ten and six again after going ten and six in both weeks one and two. A poor showing last week, eight and eight. We did finish strong, however. So. Have not gone below 500 this year. We will try to avoid doing that, although it is tough to do picking games against the spread. So let's get to where I got it right. The Jags plus seven and a half, I thought was a lock. The Bengals are three and one in an improving team, but still have no business giving more than a touchdown to anyone. The Browns minus two was a winner. That defense really stepping up against the Vikings. That ground and pound offense, a eight and a half minute drive in that one, uh, their lone touchdown drive in the game. They had a, took an eight seven lead. On that drive and never gave it back. 13 runs on that drive. 20 plays, 8.5 minutes. Uh, they were down 7-0 after giving up a touchdown to the Vikings on their opening drive. The Vikings would not score again for the rest of the game, however. That Browns defense really stepping up. We gave out the Bills minus 16.5. They absolutely slaughtered the Houston Texans. The Bills really looking like the best team in the NFL. The Chiefs got back on track, taking care of business against the Eagles with a win. It did look a little a little bit dicey there. The Eagles were holding their own for a while and were able to score. The Chiefs really have some concerns on the defensive side of the ball. We gave out the Cowboys minus four and a half. They come through easy. The game was tight for the first half. Uh, The Panthers missed a long field goal on the first drive of the second half. And then after that, the Cowboys just took over and did not look back. The Cowboys looking like legit contenders with a much improved defense and that offense clicking on all cylinders. We gave out the Giants plus seven and a half. Really liked it. They actually won the game outright in overtime. Well, that was one of my favorite picks this week. The Saints' offense does not score enough to lay more than a touchdown to anyone. Uh, the lack of skill position players is really showing in New Orleans. I don't think Jameis Winston really has much of a chance there. We gave out the Colts plus two. They also won the game outright as underdogs. I think the Colts are a lot better than people are giving them credit for, starting with a really tough schedule. Uh, does not get any easier for them. Uh, Monday Night Football, they take on the Baltimore Ravens this week. We gave out the Washington football team minus one. They won that game as well. The Atlanta Falcons are in shambles. Taylor Heineke looked like an all pro quarterback against that porous defense for the Falcons. We gave out the Seahawks plus three, and they also won that game outright. Look out, like as I said, look out for that NFC West. Uh, these teams are going to beat up on each other all year, and a lot of underdogs are going to win outright in those divisional games. The Ravens, plus one, also won the game outright, taking Teddy Bridgewater out of the game. Once Drew Locke came in, it was over. Drew Locke is not an NFL quarterback. I think that's been proven hopefully for the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater is able to get back. It will have a lot to do with who I pick in their game this week. And that does it for our winners. We're going to take a quick break and come back and break into our Super Bowl contenders for this year. Welcome back. We are heading into week five, which means we have four weeks under our belt, about a quarter of the season. So you can really start to tell which of these teams is a true contender. And I picked five from each conference that I think have a chance to win it all. Start, and we're going to start with the AFC and we're going to go in reverse order. Starting at number five, I have the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, proving that he is one of the top quarterbacks in the league, doing it with subpar skill position play, Hollywood Brown dropping passes, He was able to hold on to him last week, but that game against the Lions wouldn't have even been close. They wouldn't have needed that 66-yard field goal from Tucker had Hollywood Brown just reeled in a couple of touchdown passes that hit him right in the hands from Lamar Jackson. But Lamar, getting it done on his own, tore up that... Vaunted Denver Broncos defense last week. Baltimore Ravens my number five team in the AFC. My number four team in the AFC comes from the same division. It's the Cleveland Browns. We talked about them with that ground and pound offense. This team would be a lot higher if Baker Mayfield was a little bit more consistent. Really not able to put together a good game so far this year. That game against the Vikings would have been blown out if he had been able to hit Odell Beckham Jr. on a wide-open touchdown pass. He just sailed him on it. So if Baker can start to play a little bit better, I think you could see the Browns move up on this list. The number three team for me on this list is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Sitting at 2-2, two and two, they're still the Chiefs. I did penalize them a little bit here, putting them at number three. Talent-wise, they may be number one, but they've lost two games, two Other teams on this list, and you know what? They might be losing a third one on Sunday Night Football this week. So for me, the Chiefs still at number three, but clearly with the talent to be the best team in the conference. Number two for me is from the same division, the Los Angeles Chargers, showing that they are a true contender. Justin Herbert really looks like he is going to be in contention with Patrick Mahomes for their whole careers. In fact, I really think you're going to see a Manning, Roethlisberger, Brady type of rivalry between the three best quarterbacks in the AFC being Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. I think you're going to see a changing of the guard and those three quarterbacks really taking over for the next decade or so. And the number one team for me in the AFC is the Buffalo Bills. Yes, they have not played great competition, but they are a block punt away from being 4-0. They really should have won that game against the Steelers. The Steelers just happen to come out with a perfect game plan. Nothing you could do about that. The Bills rounding in the form and really have a chance to put on a show against a porous KC defense on Sunday night. The question is, can Patrick Mahomes keep up on the other side? So we will see. And that moves us on to the NFC. And we're going to start in the NFC East with my 3-1 and Dallas Cowboys. That defense has finally improved enough to call this team a true contender. The offense has been there for a couple of years now. The defense has always been a step behind. Last year, they were contenders to win the NFC East, even without Dak Prescott, just because the offense was so good. Now they have Dak back and an improved defense. I think that moves them from being contenders in one of the worst divisions in the league to true contenders to make an NFC title game or even a Super Bowl this year. I have them at number five in the NFC. The number four team for me in the NFC is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers really not regaining that MVP form that he has that he had last season, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. It's still the Green Bay Packers. You have to imagine that offense is going to come back into form if they ever get David Bakhtiari back from injury. I think you will see that offense come back and that team win 11, 12 games and have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. The number three team for me is the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, I know. We just saw them beat the Rams, and you should think, oh, they're the only undefeated team left in the league. They should be number one. I still don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I think he is a terrible coach. I think he gets bailed out by Kyler Murray, making a miraculous plays. Kyler, possibly the MVP of the league this year, but I do not trust the coach there, so I have them at number three. The number two team for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champs. Listen, until they get knocked off, Tom Brady is still the GOAT, and they are at number two for me right now. And number one for me is still the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. That team looks fantastic. A little bit of a hiccup last week, but I still think they are the best team in the NFC and the team to beat moving forward. And that is the perfect segue into our Thursday night game because it features those Los Angeles Rams taking on the Seahawks in Seattle. Seattle, a two and a half point underdog in this one. Hardly ever see the Seahawks underdogs at home. The over-under sitting at 54 and a half and the Seahawks coming off of a big division win against the San Francisco 49ers. The Rams coming off of a division loss loss to the Arizona Cardinals. And a lot of the games in this division are going to depend on matchups. A lot of these teams match up differently with each other. So just because one lost to a certain team and the other one beat them does not necessarily mean that it's going to play out that way when they play each other, particularly with this matchup. Last week, as I said, the Rams lost to the Cardinals. And when you look at the matchups, the positional matchups, Aaron Donald in the middle is a destructive force. And if you have somebody who can, nobody's ever going to be able to completely stop Aaron Donald. But if you can neutralize him with a good center, then you will have more success than teams that do not have a good interior offensive line. Rodney Hudson is arguably the best center in the league for the Cardinals. He held his own with Aaron Donald, and that was, is what was able to to get that Arizona offense going against the Rams. Seattle does not have that. In fact, their starting center is missing this game. They have a backup playing. And their defense is also not as good as the Cardinals. Their corners cannot match up with these Rams wide receivers. And on the other side, the Rams have Jalen Ramsey that they can throw on DK Metcalf. So they're basically going to have Tyler Lockett is the only guy that can really beat them. I think that DK Metcalf is going to be completely taken out of this game by Jalen Ramsey. The Seahawks win last year was in a defensive game. You're not going to see that happen. They were able to neutralize Jared Goff. They're not going to be able to do that to Matthew Stafford. This Hawks defense is worse than it was last year, and I think the Rams cover this game fairly easy. Take the Rams minus 2.5, and and we're also going to play under 54.5. I think you see the Seattle offense get shut down by this stout Rams defense. And that moves us to the Sunday games. And the Sunday games are starting early, a 9 a.m. kickoff in London for the Jets and Falcons. This counts as a home game for the Falcons. Add to that the uneven schedule, giving the Falcons only eight home games versus nine road games. Now, you would think the teams giving up a home game to play in London would be given the extra home game on the back end. However, they did not do that, really screwing the Falcons. The Falcons only getting seven true home games this year. Really don't understand the schedule-making there. The Falcons a three-point favorite in this one, the over-under sitting at 46. The Jets coming off an unexpected win against the Titans. That Titans defense is bad. Even the Jets were able to take advantage of it. The Titans, however, did have both wide receivers out, and that really played a factor in this game. You saw Jeremy McNichols Get 12 targets in the passing game on top of 35 carries from Derrick Henry, including a couple catches for him as well. Eight catches from McNichols, which added up to 43 touches just from the running backs in this game. So a very predictable offense coming from the Titans with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown missing the game. They were unable to take advantage of the Jets' poor secondary, and that cost them the win. And that game still went to overtime. So that tells me this Jets team can have everything going for them and still manage to lose a game. And I think that happens here. The Falcons will have Calvin Ridley available for this game, and I think he has a huge game. In fact, start him in daily fantasy. Get your team started off right, as I said, this game kicking off at 9 so you can get some points early in your day. Add Calvin Ridley to your lineups in daily fantasy. I think the Falcons win this game fairly easily. As I said, this Jets defense is not good. The Falcons defense isn't good either, but the Jets offense is not nearly as good as the Falcons offense. You saw this Falcons offense able to put up points against the Washington football team last week. However, they did lose, but still able to get it going with Cordero Patterson and with the aforementioned Calvin Ridley. I think you see this game go well over the total of 46, and the Falcons are able to cover the minus three. And that moves us on to our first 1 p.m. Sunday kickoff. It's the Eagles taking on the Panthers. The Panthers at home for this one, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under sitting at 45. Now, this Eagles defense has looked good against Atlanta and San Francisco, but then looked bad against two elite offenses in Dallas and KC. Now, this Panthers offense falls somewhere in the middle of those two. I think they are closer, however, to Dallas and KC than they are to the middle of the pack with Atlanta and San Francisco. So I think they will be able to move the ball Versus this Eagles defense, especially in the passing game. I think you see a big game from DJ Moore able to exploit this poor Eagles secondary. Now Christian McCaffrey may or may not be available for this one. Even if he is available, I think you see him in the passing game able to get his work done. But I don't think you see him able to run the ball between the tackles with this poor Panthers offensive line going up against a stout Eagles front seven. Now if you look at the Eagles side of the ball, Jalen Hurts has been Effective against KC and Atlanta, who don't have solid front sevens. Now, against Dallas and the 49ers, he was not able to be effective. And they have speed in the front seven, which the Panthers have in droves. Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns, Shaq Thomas, all with the speed to spy Jalen Hurts. So I think you see the Panthers able to shut down this Eagles offense, at least to an extent, The Eagles have been very heavily reliant on the passing game. And when they do run the ball, it is with Jalen Hurts. In the past two weeks, they've only run the ball 13 times combined with their running backs. 10 for 44 against KC, 3 carries for 29 yards against Dallas. Now, those are pretty good yards per carry numbers. So they are just not that it's an ineffective way for them to move the ball. They just haven't done it. So I don't expect to see them... Try to do that against Carolina here. I think you see them air it out. For that reason, I am hammering the over in this one. I think you see both teams pass happy in this one. I think over 45 is one of my locks of the week. I'm also playing the Panthers minus three and a half because I think they have an advantage on both sides of the ball in this one. The next game on our slate is the Packers going up to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Bengals, a three point underdog at home for this one, the over under is 50 and a half. The Bengals with a little bit of extra rest on this one because they played on Thursday t- uh, playing a close game against the Jaguars. The Packers beat the Steelers on Sunday. Now, the Steelers are a common opponent, both teams having played them this year and getting similar results, both teams with fairly easy double-digit victories. Now, I really think this Bengals team is a fake 3-1 and one. with that weak schedule that they've played. I think they'll still finish around 6-11, and 7-10 that 3-1 and one start uh, notwithstanding. They are rebuilding, and I think they're about still a year away. However, they are getting better. For the Packers, I think Rodgers and Adams get back on track in this one. No Joe Mixon is really going to hurt Cincinnati on the other side. No Z'Darrius Smith for the Packers. However, I think Rayshon Gary is going to do just fine stepping up in his place. The Packers are also still missing David Bakhtiari at left tackle, and you saw T.J. Watt able to take advantage of that in that game On Sunday, T.J. Watt coming away with two sacks. Now, Trey Henderson for the Bengals is good. He is their best pass rusher, but he is not T.J. Watt, so I don't think he's going to be able to take advantage the way that Watt was. I think you see the Packers win this game fairly easily, so lay the three points with the Packers. I'm also taking under 50-and-a-half in this one. Our next game is the Saints taking on the Washington football team in Washington. Washington, a a one-and-a-half-point underdog for this one. The over-under is 44-and-a-half. And this Saints offense looks absolutely stuck in the mud. I'm not blaming Jameis Winston because I really don't think he has the skill players to get by. He has Alvin Kamara and pretty much nothing else. And Kamara has done everything that he could, especially considering that defenses are keyed in on him. He's still putting up his numbers. Now, even in the blowout win versus the Packers, the Saints defense really set up most of the scores for the Saints, so I think you see really what this Saints team is—a bad offense and a great defense. Now, even in that game against the Giants, you really just saw two big plays—the undoing of this defense. Played a great game aside from two plays: a John Ross burning them for a touchdown on one play, which you can't blame them. It's easy to forget that John Ross is a speedster because he just hasn't done much with his NFL career. As he's streaking down the field, you be like, "Oh yeah, that's the guy who broke the record at the combine for the 40 time and was picked in the top 10." He has not shown that talent on the field. I'll say for that one play. Another play they had to Saquon Barkley. He was lined up at wide receiver on the outside. And you saw Marshawn Lattimore just kind of let him go by. It really looked like he was expecting some safety help over the top and just didn't get it. So just a miscommunication on that play leading to a Giants victory. The Saints were up big in that one in the fourth quarter, that Saquon Barkley play leading them back. Uh, They cut the lead to three at that point and then were able to drive down later on to kick a field goal to send that game to overtime. I think you see the Saints defense strapped back in. Uh, Sean Payton's definitely laying into his guys after a defensive miscue leading to a loss in that one. So I think you see this defense get back on track. On the other side of the ball, I think you see Alvin Kamara able to take advantage of this Washington defense that just gave up a huge game to Cordero Patterson. Get yeah, three receiving touchdowns, 80-something yards for him in that one. And obviously Alvin Kamara, a much more talented player than Patterson is, so I think you see Kamara, still the only good player on this offense, but I think you see him really have a big game against Washington here. For Washington, Brandon Sheriff is going to miss this game. Logan Thomas is also going to miss this game. I think that is going to lead them to a loss here. I am taking the Saints. I am laying the one and a half, and I am also playing the under in this one. One more early game to get to before we take a quick break. We have the Broncos taking on the Steelers. The Steelers a one-point favorite at home for this one. The over-under is 39.5. You hardly ever see totals this low. However, there was one more game this week that has a total just as low. Now, part of me is wondering if the Broncos got exposed last week. They played three really bad teams and got victories in the first three weeks and finally played a good team in the Ravens last week. And took a loss. Now a lot of that has to do with Drew Locke having to come into the game. Losing Teddy Bridgewater. However, they were down by 10 points before Locke even took a snap in that game. So it's really hard to pin the entire loss on him. On the other side, the Steelers defense continues to play well. But this offense just cannot get it going. Big Ben still looks absolutely cooked at this point. I don't see this... Steelers offense able to get it going against this stout Broncos defense. However, on the other side, if Drew Locke is a starting quarterback, I don't see him able to get anything against this Steelers defense either. So no matter who the starting quarterback is, I am taking the under 39 and a half in this one. But if Teddy Bridgewater is able to suit up and get through concussion protocol and play, I am taking the Broncos in this one. However, if Drew Locke is the starter, I am taking the Steelers. So we're going to take a quick break now and come back and break down the rest of the games. Welcome back. We move on to our next game. It is the Lions taking on the Vikings. The Vikings a seven and a half point favorite in this one. The over under is 49 and a half. The Vikings started out great last week. The first drive of the game leading to a touchdown did not see the end zone again after that. Their next drive, they went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. It subsequently led to a 20 play 64 yard drive that ate up eight and a half minutes on the clock by the Browns. The Browns went for two, went up eight to seven and never gave the lead back. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings, Davin Cook looked limited. It really looked like he should have sat out another week. We'll see how he looks this week against the Lions, even without Cook, I think, with Madison, with Kirk Cousins, with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. There is enough talent on this Vikings team to put away Uh, scrappy, but not very good Lions team. So I'm taking the Vikings minus seven and a half. But however, I am going to play the over. As I said, this Vikings defense does have some holes on it. And Jared Goff, still a professional quarterback on the other side. I think you see the Lions able to put up some points in this one. I think you see a 34 to 21 type game. So the Vikings are able to cover. And I think you see this game go over the total 49 and a half as well. And that takes us to the Dolphins taking on the Buccaneers, the Battle of Florida. The biggest point spread of the week in this one. The Bucs a 10-point favorite. The over-under is 48.5. Now, there has been back-to-back weeks of Brady looking pretty mediocre versus good defense. Last week, you have to forgive him for it. Probably a lot of nerves going back to Foxborough taking on his old head coach, Bill Belichick, a guy that knows all of his secrets. So not surprising to see him struggle in that one. And the week before that, struggling against the Rams, I think you can give him a pass for that one as well. This Dolphins defense is good in its own right, so I think you see them at least able to keep Brady in check. However, on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins already can't run the ball and they are going up against a very stout Buccaneers run defense. A Buccaneers run defense that has just completely shut down everybody gets faced this year. Including the Cowboys in the opening week. The Cowboys who have been able to run all over everybody they've played since. So this Bucs run defense is historically good. You're going to see a lot of Jacoby Brissett airing it out. Now these Bucs cornerbacks are decimated with injury you saw them bring in Richard Sherman and are immediately starting him so I think you see the Dolphins able to move the ball a little bit enough to cover this 10 point spread however I think this total goes way under the total I think this total is set entirely too high one of my favorite plays of the week is the under 48 and a half in this one So grab under 48 and Dolphins plus 10 in this one. And that moves us on to the Titans taking on the Jaguars. The Jaguars a four-point underdog in this one. The over-under sitting at 48 and a half. The Titans lost to the Jets and are now favored on the road. Let that sink in for a second. The Titans just lost to the New York Jets and now next week are favored on the road. That should tell you... How bad and dysfunctional this Jaguars team is. This Titans defense is absolutely atrocious. So atrocious that even the Jets were able to take advantage. I think you see the Jags able to take advantage as well. The Urban Meyer situation, distraction aside, this Titans defense is going to get exploited all year. I think you see Trevor Lawrence have a big game in this one. On the other side of the ball, it all comes down to if the Titans are going to have their wide receivers back. If they have their wide receivers back, I am hammering the over in this game. I think both teams are able to put up 24 plus points, so over 48.5 seems like a lock. If the wide receivers are back for this one, I am taking the Titans minus four. However, if they are not, I am taking the Jags plus four. Now, I understand that, that is the second time that I've given a stipulation with one of my picks. I will tweet out all of my plays for the day, on Sunday morning, just so everything's on the up and up. We are keeping a running total of my record here. I don't want to mislead anybody whatsoever. However, it's hard to pick games this early in the week not knowing who's playing. So any of those games that I gave a stipulation now just just wait. If you're waiting on my advice, and another thing, don't just take my advice and bet any game. If you're listening to this podcast, obviously you are a football fan and you have your own feelings about these games. If I make you feel better about a play you were already going to make, that's great. I don't want to change your mind and make you do something that you don't want to do on this podcast. So I just want to give out the information that I have and let you know what I like. So we're going to move on to our next game now. It's going to be the Patriots taking on the Texans. The Texans, are nine and a 9.5-point underdog at home. The over-under, 39.5. So a very low total and a very high spread. Tells you how bad this Texans team has looked and really should give Tyrod Taylor some MVP votes because he was playing fantastic, got this team a win in Week 1, had them holding their own with the Browns in Week 2. He goes out, and all of a sudden, this team looks like the Texans team. We expected them to look like Tyrod Taylor, MVP of the league, because with him, they're a 500-type football team. Without him, they're probably the worst team in the league. Uh, For the Patriots, on the other side, a terrible decision by Bill Belichick last week, a very rare terrible decision for the greatest coach of all time, to kick a 56-yard field goal in the rain, his quarterback had just completed a number of passes in a row. It's fourth and three. You're leaving Tom Brady on the enough time on the clock to come down and kick a field goal to beat you, even if you make that kick. So just a very head-scratching decision there. really think he should have gone for it. If you get it, you can milk the rest of the time off and kick a shorter field goal to win that game. Don't give the greatest quarterback of all time on the other side. You should know it better than anybody. You were his coach for 20 years and just did not understand that, that play. I digress from that. In this game, I know it seems like you're giving way too many points in a low total here. 39 and a half. You're giving nine and a half. You have to win this game by 10 in order to cover with the Patriots. However, remember that it is Bill Belichick going against a rookie quarterback, and not just a rookie quarterback, a bad rookie quarterback in Davis Mills. So I am taking the Patriots here. I am laying the nine and a half, and I'm also playing under 39 and a half. And that moves us on to a much, much better game, the 49ers taking on the Cardinals, one of my favorite matchups of the week. The Cardinals are a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. The over-under is sitting at 50. The Cardinals are riding high, the last undefeated team in the league, riding high off of a big win against the Rams last week. The 49ers, a tough loss to Seattle. Now, on the 49ers' side, Trey Lance was able to come into the game and looked okay. Actually, all the rookie quarterbacks impressed In Week 4, after looking really rough over those first three weeks, uh, we already mentioned Mac Jones playing well, Trey Lance playing well, Zach Wilson getting the win, Trevor Lawrence looking halfway decent on Thursday, Justin Fields getting the win as well on Sunday. So the rookie quarterback's a little bit of a turnaround in Week 3. The Cardinals look like real contenders on the other side. However, I think this is a trap game. San Francisco has a coaching advantage. I don't think it matters who's playing quarterback for this team. I think the 49ers are able to keep this game close. I think you see the 49ers cover at least, if not win the game outright. So take the 49ers plus the 5.5 and, and play the under 50 as well. And that takes us to the Khalil Bowl, the Bears versus the Raiders. The Raiders a 5.5 point favorite, the over-under 44.5. Of course, the Khalil Mack trade coming down a few years ago. The Raiders sending stud pass rusher Khalil Mack to the Bears with along with a second-round pick that became Cole Komet. The Raiders getting back two first-round picks and a third-round pick that became Josh Jacobs, Damon Arnett, and Brian Edwards. This trade has to look like a win on the field for the Bears, but you never know what the cap situation was. Could they have afforded to keep Khalil Mack? Was it better to get rid of him and at least get something back for him? I'm saying that it was a loss because Damon Arnett looks like an absolute bust. Yes, Josh Jacobs looks halfway decent, but first-round picks on running backs don't usually pan out. Brian Edwards, a decent enough receiver, but again, not worth losing a pass rusher like Khalil Mack. And the second-round pick that they gave up, so basically they moved up in the draft to pick up Damon Arnett in that draft. They gave up a second-round pick in the same draft. So they moved up from the second round where two better corners, uh, Jalen Johnson, who was on the Bears, and Trevon Diggs went a couple of picks after commit. So they would have been available for the Raiders there. So this trade also making them worse at another position in a kind of a roundabout way. So the trade really is a loss for the Raiders. However, they are the better team coming into this game Specifically on the defensive side of the ball, I really think the Raiders have an advantage in this one. You saw last week, yes, they did get blown out. However, the corners were able to completely shut down Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the outside. All the damage was done by Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and the, uh, the two tight ends in that game. The outside receivers really didn't do much. And with... The Bears missing uh, David Montgomery for this one. I don't think you see them able to get the ball to the running backs out of the backfield the way that the Chargers, where they don't have the Austin Echo-type talent, Tariq Cohen, also going to be out for this game. He would be the receiving back. So I think you see the Raiders take advantage. I think Max Crosby and Yannick and Ngakwe are able to get pressure on Justin Fields. And I think the Raiders cover the f- minus 5.5 fairly easily in this one. And I'm also taking under 44.5 in this game. And that moves us on to our next matchup. It is the Browns taking on the Chargers. The Chargers, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. The over-under is 46. Now, everybody knows about the high-profile quarterbacks in this one, Justin Herbert, Baker Mayfield. The high-profile skill position players on both sides, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr. for the Browns, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, for the Chargers. However, I really want to talk about these defenses because they're both vastly improved from last year. The Chargers ranked seventh in the league. The Browns ranked fourth. Now, this is not one of those situations like we talked about last week where the Panthers were the number one ranked defense because they hadn't played anybody. The Chargers have played the fourth ranked offense in the Cowboys and the second ranked offense in the Chiefs. The other two teams they played were ninth and 11th respectively. So they have not played any slouches on the offensive side of the ball. The Browns took on that same Chiefs team and took on the Vikings, who were averaging close to 30 points a game before only scoring 7 last week. Uh, The Vikings are ranked around 18th now. However, they were ranked much higher before the Browns were able to shut them down last week. So both of these teams look to be legit contenders. And for the Browns, it's thanks to Denzel Ward as far as the defensive side of the ball goes. He went from being a good corner to being a great corner. He looks to be like an absolute shutdown corner, one of the best in the league. And if he is able to continue that leap that he has made, this Browns team could have Super Bowl aspirations. For the Browns on the offensive side of the ball, it is all about that run game. It's Nick Chubb, it's Kareem Hunt, and they look to be unstoppable. We already talked about that eight-and-a-half-minute drive that they had. There were 13 runs in that drive, so including a run on the two-point conversion uh, after the touchdown was scored. The Chargers are a little bit more balanced on the other side. They can air it out. They tend to lean towards the pass, especially with Austin Eckler, their running back, able to provide some pass-catching, Capability out of the backfield there. I expect to see that Browns offense pound the ball on the ground again. Baker Mayfield completed just 45% of his passes last week. Got sacked three times against the defense in the Vikings that wasn't that good. However, he did miss Odell Beckham Jr. on a pretty wide-open touchdown, a throw that I think he makes most of the time. However, I really think Baker misses Jarvis Landry in this one the Chargers coming in on a short work having played on Monday Night Football I don't think that matters I'm grabbing the Chargers here I think they win this game by a field goal and I am playing the under 46 as well so we're going to take a quick break because I really want to get into this next game with my Dallas Cowboys taking on the Giants Welcome back. We move on to talk about my Dallas Cowboys. They are at home this week, a seven-point favorite against the New York Football Giants. The over/under sitting at 52. Now, as a Cowboys fan, I would normally be petrified of this game—a trap-type game, coming off of three big wins, a rivalry game against an inferior opponent. This is the kind of game where, in the in the past. The Cowboys would lose this game. This is the kind of week where like Colt McCoy comes in on Monday Night Football and lights you up and beats you outright. That's not happening this week. There should also be ghosts all over the place. This is the same week, week five, same opponent, week five against the Giants that Dak Prescott broke his leg last year. I'm not seeing any of it. I am not worried whatsoever because this Cowboys team is different. They are legitimate contenders. I am normally a doom and gloom type of Cowboys fan, but man, this offense looks amazing, and the defense is there. This year for the first time and I don't know even know how long. Trayvon Diggs looks to be an absolute shutdown corner. Micah Parsons could play all over the field. They cut Jalen Smith. Thank goodness he was the only part of this defense I didn't like. The guy was always out of position. You could talk to me about his talent all you want. I think it is addition by subtraction. Good riddance. I hope somebody I don't like signs him because I cannot stand that guy. All the talent in the world, yes, but never where he was supposed to be. On the Giants' side of the ball, they really should have lost that game against the Saints last week. And yes, I gave them out as one of my picks, and I was lucky to win that game. Uh, As I said when we talked about the Saints, Saquon Barkley managed to get behind Marshawn Lattimore, who was expecting safety help over the top. And all of a sudden, that game's a three-point game. Completely changed the complexion of that game. The Saints were up by 11 at that point. This week, the Cowboys, much superior to the Saints On the offensive side of the ball, I think you see the Cowboys absolutely light up the Giants. I am taking the Cowboys. I am laying the seven points, and I'm also playing under 52 in this one. And that takes us to Sunday night football, the game of the year. The one seed in the AFC potentially on the line. I'm already projecting towards the end of the year, but it's going to be a big tiebreaker because these two teams are obviously going to be at the top of the standings. It is the Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs, a three-point favorite at home for this one. the over-under is sitting at 56. Now, the Bills have looked like absolute world beaters since that week one loss to Pittsburgh. They could be 4-0 if not for that block punt, uh, bailing Pittsburgh out in that one. Also, Pittsburgh just coming in with a perfect defensive game plan. Uh, we have not seen anybody else able to do that to the Bills to this point. Now, you can sit here and say that the Chiefs are better than any of the Bills' previous opponents, and that may be true, but they are not better on the offensive side of the ball The Bills were able to decimate a Washington football team defense, which is exponentially better than this Chiefs defense. So the Bills are going to put up their points. The question is, will the Chiefs be able to do it on the other side? Yes, I know this Chiefs offense is as good as it's ever been. However, this Bills defense has greatly improved from last year. Two shutouts, and in the other two games, they gave up 23 and 21 points respectively. But that 21 points they gave up to Washington was one screen pass to Antonio Gibson followed by a freak kickoff that got recovered near midfield that led to another touchdown. And as I said, with that Pittsburgh game, seven of those 23 points coming off of a blocked punt. So this defense has been fantastic in every game they've played. I'm not saying they're going to shut the Chiefs down, but I think they're going to do just enough to keep... The Bills ahead in this one. I am grabbing the field goal. I think this is an even matchup. And as I've said many times on this podcast, if you think a matchup is even, especially in a game like this, which is likely going to come down to the last possession, grabbing a field goal is never a bad thing. So I'm taking the Bills plus three in this one, and I am hammering the over as well. I know it is a high total, but this is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think this Chiefs defense is going to be remotely close to stopping Josh Allen, and obviously on the other side, Patrick Mahomes is always going to get his, so I'm taking the Bills plus three and over 56. And we wrap things up here with Monday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Baltimore Ravens. It's old Baltimore versus new Baltimore. (laughs) Baltimore, a seven-point favorite in this one, the over-under sitting at 46. The Ravens coming off that win against the Broncos. Of course, the Colts coming off a win against the Dolphins. Both teams were underdogs. In those games. And obviously, I gave out both as winners on this podcast last week, not to toot my own horn. Uh, The Colts finally getting a big game from Jonathan Taylor. Carson Wentz finally looking solid. This team looks like they're turning it around. This team has a lot of talent. They were able to hold their own with the Rams. They were much better than their 0 3 record indicated. That's why I thought they were an easy pick last week. This roster is solid. Now, this Ravens defense was able to stymie the Broncos last week. Lamar was good enough to win. A lot of that, however, had to do with Drew Locke coming into the game. Yes, they were able to shut down Teddy Bridgewater as well, but once Drew Locke came into that game, it went off the rails for the Broncos. I think the Colts do just enough in this game to cover. I think they will probably lose this game, but Colts plus seven. I think the Colts are being a little bit underrated. They still have a solid roster, a solid offensive line, a good running game, and Carson Wentz, I think, is coming back towards the form that he had in his better year. So I'm grabbing the Colts here, plus seven. I'm also playing over 46. Now that is going to do it for the games. We're going to take a break and come back and give you another DFS lineup. We took last week off uh, with this segment, but however, we're bringing it back this week, and I think we're going to come back with a vengeance with a lineup that's going to cash. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with that. Welcome back. Just to quickly recap our picks before we get into the DFS lineup, we are taking the Colts plus seven against the Ravens, the Bills plus three against the Chiefs, the Rams minus two and a half against Seattle, the Falcons minus three against the Jets, the Panthers minus three and a half against the Eagles, the Packers minus three against the Bengals, the Saints minus one and a half against the football team the Broncos plus one against the Steelers provided that Teddy Bridgewater plays if Drew Locke plays we're changing that pick obviously uh, we will tweet that out if it changes the Vikings minus seven and a half the Titans minus four and a half provided they get at least one of those wide receivers back again Tweet that out if it changes. The Patriots minus nine and a half against the Texans. The 49ers plus five and a half against the Cardinals. The Raiders the Raiders minus five and a half against the Bears. The Cowboys minus seven against the Giants. The Dolphins plus ten against the Bucks and the Chargers plus two and a half against. The Browns, excuse me, minus two and a half against the Browns. So that does it for our picks. We move on to our daily fantasy lineup. We talked about Kirk Cousins a little bit. We talked about this Vikings offense having a get-right game against the Lions. For that reason, Kirk Cousins is our starting quarterback. We grabbed Alvin Kamara for eight thousand six hundred. Uh, one of the more expensive running backs on the board, but I think he's going to have a big game against Washington. He's the only option on that New Orleans offense. We grabbed Damian Harris for 6500 saving a little bit of money here, grabbing a guy I think could have a couple of short touchdowns. We stacked Justin Jefferson with Kirk Cousins for 8000 here. We grabbed DJ Moore for 7900 I think he's going to have a huge game against that Eagles secondary. We saved a little bit of money here, went with a boomer bust guy with Henry Ruggs for 5900 at our last wide receiver spot. We grab Dalton Schultz at tight end. He's become a favorite target for Dak Prescott there in Dallas. I think he could have a big game. We grab Samaje P. Ryan in our flex spot, just trying to save a little bit of money because we have a top-heavy lineup, and P. Ryan should outperform uh, his value here just because he is getting most of the workload with Joe Mixon out and we grabbed the Panthers defense Uh, again had to save a little bit of money take one of the lower end defenses and I think with Jalen Hurts throwing the ball around like he has been you could see a couple of turnovers so that is going to do it for our lineup and that is going to do it for this podcast guys thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week